Good day to all of our investors and general listeners. This is the Rudd Commentary. My name is Josh Rudd, and I'll be your host on this presentation today. And also with me today is Jack Kerr from our Capital Markets Group to bring us up to date on the current state of the financial markets. Welcome, Jack. Hey, Josh. For our new listeners who may not be familiar with our firm, the Rudd Company is a wealth management firm headquartered in Fort Worth, Texas. We manage investments for successful families and organizations across the country and become your wealth manager, confidant, and personal CFO so you can relax and focus your time and energy on what is important to you. Jack, we started to see some changes in the market since Christmas. I'm just curious... What the heck changed? Josh, we have, and, and even before Christmas, as the fourth quarter came to a close, we did see some changes in the market. To give our listeners some context here, it is pretty typical for investors to reposition their portfolios at the end of the year and even towards the beginning of the new year as well, whether that be investors taking gains and losses or putting their money into new investments. I just wanted to give some context there and say that it, it is typical and it does happen on a year-to-year basis. Now, this year, we've seen a pretty specific rotation. Josh, we've seen a rotation out of those high valuation names. Think some of those tech names, high growth, even some of the COVID names that really did benefit during the pandemic from a shift in consumer preferences. For example, online retail, virtual services, and some others. We've really seen those stock prices come down. And in turn, we've seen investors moving money into more value investment. Think those companies we like here that we talk about on our podcast, strong balance sheets, companies that have the ability to generate free cash flow, and just overall high quality companies. We've seen those companies do really well over the last month. In addition to that, we've talked a lot about inflation on this podcast. We've seen companies that can deal with inflation and have pricing power in the market. We've seen investors really move their money into those type of companies as well. Aside from that, we've gotten some news in regards to interest rates. The Fed has projected three rate hikes this year in 2022. The cost of borrowing is clearly going to go up, and it's going to be more costly for some of these high-growth companies like I was talking about to borrow money easily and take on more debt. Those are some of the things that are causing that rotation, Josh. I agree with you, and it's been interesting to see all the money moving in. You know, you called them higher-quality value names, the companies that really just kind of bore us to death, right? Yeah. Companies that aren't quite as exciting, but they've got really good balance sheets, good products. They make a lot of money, and they usually pay out good dividends that are spendable cash. I'm also interested, like you, in seeing how not only consumers respond, but these companies respond to having to pay what I would consider over my lifetime to be a more normal interest rate. That's something that's going to raise the borrowing costs for just about every participant in the financial markets. Yeah, I think the the big theme to start the year will be the interest rates and how companies deal with those and also how companies did during the holiday season with everything going on. One more point I'd like to make, Josh, and I've gotten that question more recently, and a lot of casual investors may see the market indexes towards all-time highs. And I think it's natural to wonder if this performance is sustainable heading into the new year. You know, a lot of people always talk about when's the next correction. And while that's pretty much impossible to predict, I can say that many of these popular high growth companies that we were just talking about, they are down pretty significant amount. We've seen some of the best performers during COVID, they're down 50% or more from their highs. So a lot of rotation under the surface. There has been some volatility, despite what the indexes may say. I want our listeners to know here that you know our job in the trading room is to, to look for these type of trends, these type of opportunities in new sectors, and a lot of these things we've been prepared for and we've been talking about on this podcast. Just a side note I wanted to bring up there. There's definitely more going on than just looking at the index. 
indexes like the NASDAQ or the, the Dow Jones Industrial Average. We've seen a lot of concentration in just a few names over the last couple of years, and it's been very interesting to watch some of these high flyers consolidate back some of these, you said, COVID names, you know, coming from video conferencing to online retail and things that really exploded during the pandemic. So the good thing about markets like this is I think they they flesh out a lot of the inefficiencies and give us opportunities to get some of these really good companies at better prices. Even though a stock may be down 50%, it's probably worth investors taking a look at some of those companies that have declined significantly since the peak of the valuations we saw several months ago. Exactly, Josh. And so with that, how about we move into our topic? A situation that we run into a lot with our clients, and that is sudden wealth. Josh, when we talk about sudden wealth, it sounds almost like I tripped and fell into some money or I found a check. Now what do I do with it? Can you explain a little bit or give our listeners some context into what we mean when we use the phrase sudden wealth? Well, part of the reason we chose this topic to discuss on our program today is it's become quite a buzzword in the industry. And you're right. When you hear that word, it sounds like, you know, like you said, you tripped and fell into something or, you know, you found, you know, eight figures in your couch cushions or, you know, <laughs> you uh, had a rich uncle that you never knew and passed away and, and left you tons and tons of money. There are some cases like that, you know, your lottery winners and things like that, but it's really something that's more common than, than you realize. Many new clients that contact us, they do so because they're preparing to receive a large lump sum. That's what we're talking about. And retirement aside, we're usually talking about in the seven to eight figure range. And they've been told by an advisor, attorney, a CPA, to contact a wealth management firm like ours and begin some type of a planning process. When you think about that, it should be a pretty big deal, right, Jack? You're preparing to receive seven or eight figures. That's a lot of money. A lot of us would consider that to be a life-changing amount. We definitely want to plan for that, and that's something that could cause an investor or a family to feel very overwhelmed and be in a position where these new investors are really grasping for help at a time and, and can be very vulnerable. We want to make sure that we help them through that, not only plan for it, but really help them run their life like a business at that point. And it's really what we're talking about when we use the term sudden wealth and, and helping individuals through that process. You mentioned during your answer that it's pretty common. It's something we see a lot. In your experience, are there circumstances that lead an individual or families to come into a large amount of money or situation that may be more common than others? There is. And as I implied earlier, we're going to just set aside the lump sum distributions that come for retirement for this discussion today, because those are probably the most common. And while those can be very large in and of themselves, that's really not what we're talking about or what we're, we're focusing on today. And what I mean by that is 401ks, pensions. What right. we're talking about are the larger transactions. They may be anticipated, but they don't carry the same long-term planning processes as a general retirement plan. So the solutions that we provide at our firm, Jack, I really put them into two buckets. So the most common generators of these large lump sum payouts for the investors that we work with, the first one is just the sale of a large productive asset. In these cases, we're looking at the sale of a business, but this could also be a large piece of real estate, portfolio of you know rental properties, things like that. This type of a transaction is usually planned for, and it may not be planned for like a retirement plan, but there's some sort of runway or, or planning period that we have in order to, to prepare to receive that large sum of money. But again, these are sums that are a lot of times in the seven and eight figure range. So they're very significant and they're life-changing amounts. 
The next category that I typically place these transactions into is just more of a sudden or unexpected lump sum distribution. And you can probably guess the number one driver for this type of a transaction unfortunately involves the the death of a loved one and, and involves an inheritance. You may know that your great-grandfather is getting up in years, but a lot of individuals don't quite know what's in the estate plan. They haven't been involved in the process. And, you know, no matter how much we feel inside that we plan for that, it, it happens suddenly. And it has a huge impact on our life. The reason we break those into two different buckets is those need to be handled very differently by our firm. When we get a client in who's preparing for the sale of a business and is receiving a 40 or $50 million payment, it's very different than an individual that's a child that's receiving even a similar distribution amount through an inheritance. Well, Josh, you talked about those planned sums of money. What's different about maybe an unexpected payment? You talked about inheritance earlier, but what about the types of lump sum payments that you may not know about, or maybe you don't know the exact balance that's coming in? I think it's a good question to ask. I'm going to put the inheritance type of lump sum distribution into a similar category as I would to gambling winnings or lottery winnings or even something as more recent as as large cryptocurrency gains. It's not that I'm not trying to say that inheritance is like gambling, but in those situations, it's usually unprepared for in our case, and it usually impacts someone that lacks the experience to, in a lot of cases, to manage that much wealth. So inheritance is very similar to those other examples that I gave, simply because there's more of a lack of planning that goes into that. The individuals that receive those large lump sums of money normally need a lot more help on the planning side. There hasn't been as much planning done. And, and, and Jack, it's fair. When you think about a small business owner, they've worked for 20 or 25 years developing the necessary skill set in order to manage cash flows and large sums of money. The single event of selling their business is still an enormous undertaking for them as far as managing the cash. But you have to think they have a lot of the advisors already around them and the infrastructure in place to better manage that. And that's why we typically have to handle those situations very differently than we do an individual who hasn't done the planning or is impacted by an inheritance. Yeah, well, regardless of how the individual comes into the lump sum, what are some of the first actions they should take once they know about the lump sum payment or even after they get the the money in? It's a really good question. The first thing I do is just pump the brakes and relax and really understand the seriousness of this type of a life change. There should be what I call a cooling off period. You know, when you think about uh, large sums of money, and I think a lot of people have done this, and they think about, gosh, what would it be like if I was Mark Zuckerberg or Elon Musk and I sold $3 billion with the stock? I mean, then we immediately go through our head and we figured out everything we'd, we want to spend the money on, right? Yeah. And it includes that island out in, you know, New Guinea or wherever else. And we think about all the wonderful things that we can do. And I think just as, uh, you know, tongue-in-cheek, most people have done that. But in all seriousness, we really need to stop and pump the brakes and go through that cooling-off period and spend some time alone and reflections, quiet your mind. For me, that means, you know, spending some time in, in prayer and reflection. But really, just for anybody, we're trying to eliminate the distractions to be able to think clearly and quiet our mind. Because I want you to think about why this is so important. You encounter this type of a life change you're going through a physical and mental response. Think about the emotions that you go through. 
Think about, Jack, if you were to come into a large seven or eight figure sum of money, you know, you initially go through this excitement, then you start to get a little bit of anxiety. You might be obsessed about risk at that point. You might be very fearful about who you're telling and who knows about it and concerned about what do you do now and you need to run out right away and talk to all these different professionals like an attorney and a CPA and and you really become vulnerable for a lot of bad decisions and bad advice at that point. And so what I will tell an investor right away is let's just take some time. Let's try to digest really what's happened. Let's get our facts straight and let's not be in a hurry. Let's quiet our mind. Let's go ahead and go through some of those emotions. And we can approach this from a very calm and rational and well-thought-out position. And I think when you do that, if you do that first, you're less likely to get worked up and, and less likely to make bad decisions. And I think, like you said, the majority of these situations stem from maybe someone is coming into this type of money for the first time. So they don't realize all the different things that go along with that. And maybe they do panic and get antsy, like you said. It's more just not knowing what to do rather than doing the wrong thing. So Josh, perhaps the more important question then, what should we avoid just before or after receiving a large sum of money? Assuming I shouldn't go cast the check and take it to Vegas, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And probably one of the most important questions. What I would tell our listeners is try to not make any major life changes right away. That can be within the first six months. It could be within the first 12 months. I've been giving this advice a long time to individuals and investors that lose a spouse. This is not a time that you want to pick up and move to a new city. This is not a time that you want to go out and spend a bunch of money. You're going through that process that we talked about earlier. But I think the biggest thing that you can do to avoid right away to keep you out of trouble is just don't make any large life-changing decisions. The Rudd Commentary is brought to you by The Rudd Company. At The Rudd Company, our sophisticated team becomes your proactive wealth manager, your confidant, and personal CFO. So relax and focus your time and energy on what's important to you. Contact us today at rudco at therudcompany.com. That's R-U-D-D-C-O at therudcompany.com. Well, Josh, I know we don't have enough time on the program today to go over every single piece of advice for our listeners who may need help in this situation or come into sudden money, but I know we do have a short list of points for our listeners to consider they're approaching a liquidity event that would lead to a large cash payment. I appreciate the opportunity. It's really important information. Those listening, just a quick punch list of things to consider if you are in a situation where you do have an upcoming inheritance or you are beginning to plan for a business sale or something in that large seven to eight figure range. The first one I would tell you is just keep your information private. I have experience over many, many of these types of transactions. And we talked about those emotions that individuals go through right away. And the first thing we want to do, especially in this connected world, is we want to tell everybody about our good fortune. And we want to post stuff online and we want to send photos of everything we bought with our new clothes and, you know, the new ride that we have and the new place that we're eating and the steak that we just bought. And the list goes on and on and on. But I would tell you that this is a, is, it's a different world. And, and those of our listeners, some of you may understand what I'm talking about. And this also may be very foreign to some of you that haven't encountered this, but life changes. I mean, as you can probably imagine, it changes your life. 
So it's a pretty big deal. And the last thing we want to do is advertise our good fortune to everybody else. And that can be done through very innocent ways. And I'm thinking about one specific instance that happened several years ago where we did have a client that lost her husband and was interested in finding some companionship and on her profile listed herself as financially stable. And even something as as innocent as that can go a long way to attracting the wrong type of interest in your newfound financial freedom. That's the first thing I would do is just do your best, Jack, to keep your information private. I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think people, especially online with the ease of sharing information, people are nosy. They're going to get in your business and it's important to keep as much privacy as possible. What's our second point? Point number two is really just to take your time. I know this is the third time you've heard that theme, but you're not in a hurry to do anything. Take your time. And I think you will find that serves you very well in the process. It's going to help you in your decision making and especially just calming things down and slowing things down. In the case of a business sale or an inheritance, you're going to get your money regardless of whether or not you start panicking and rushing through your transactions. I mean, it's going to happen. So let's just slow everything down and just be very careful. Money can sit in your bank account. It's okay. You've got you know, different levels of FDIC insurance. You've got insurance at your brokers and investment advisor, those insurance amounts. Private label insurance go up way up in the $100 million range. So there's no reason for you to be in a hurry to, to do anything. Um, take your time. And Jack, I think my third point, which is related to take your time, is just pretty straightforward. Learn to say no. Especially here in the South, we are really polite people, and we really like to be nice, and we're really concerned with our Southern hospitality. But some of the best advice that I can give individuals in this situation are learn how to say no politely. In fact, I want to just take a quick moment to give some pointers to our listeners who may have some challenges with that. As many of you know, I do teach a, uh, an evening class uh, here at the local university, and one of the things we do every semester with my students is I just walk them through a little exercise. Because when you come into you know a significant amount of money like this, even if you do your best to keep information private and, and you really feel that you're managing your affairs well, Jack, people are going to ask you for money all the time. And you're going to find yourself in situations where people may expect you to make donations or to sponsor some type of an event. And it can be really overwhelming. And so during that cooling off period and during that first six months to a year, it really develop some good muscle memory about saying no. And there's a really good method that I've used with my students to help with that. First is when someone asks you for something and, you know, say I'm asking you, Jack, to donate to something which is really important to me, it really helps if you just compliment what they're doing right out of the gate. Someone's asking you to support an organization that you're not able to or maybe you don't feel that you need to support, it's okay to tell them, hey, that sounds like a great organization. I'm really happy you're doing that and it really sounds like it's worth your time and providing the community with a really good service. And then my second point that I uh, share with my students every semester is, and then we just say no very politely. And that's unfortunately, I'm unable to support that this time. But it's something that's important for you to learn how to do and to practice doing. Because as we talked about on our program on charitable giving, and we had a great guest, if you're giving money to everybody that asks you, and if saying no is not in your toolkit, then you're going to miss out on opportunities or maybe you won't be able to support organizations that really need your help. At the end of that, if you are able, it's nice to suggest an alternative. In that cooling off period in the first year, if you've made that commitment not to make a donation, but you still believe in the organization and you'd like to support it, after you've complimented them, you've said no, 
then it wouldn't be out of line for you to offer a non-financial way to support that organization with your time. So Jack, uh, as you can probably tell, (laughs) we thought a lot about how to say no, and I think it's important (laughs) for individuals, especially young individuals, to learn how to do that, because as we get older, we get a little more confident. But Jack, you should practice saying no. Yeah, well, I'm glad I'm getting, I didn't know I was going to get any life advice here today. No, I, I think it is good advice. And like you said, it can be hard sometimes, but as long as you're doing it respectfully and maybe offering some alternatives, I think it's, it's definitely the right option. So Josh, what is our fourth point for today? So this is where we really get to the brass tacks of how to manage these assets and how to manage yourself. And I can sum this up in just saying that you really need to be the CEO of your financial life and you really have to change how you think about money when you come into such a large sum of money. And again, we're not talking about a simple retirement that most of us are going to encounter when we hit age 62 or 65, the standard amounts that we think about taking a few thousand dollars a month plus Social Security and then being able to travel a couple of times a year. Again, we're talking about seven or eight figures, and it really is a life-changing event, and, and you have to change yourself. And you really should think about yourself as the CEO. You're managing an organization, whether you like it or not. That's a lot of money. And you're managing your relationships with your people around you. You're going to have to appoint certain advisors to help you. You're going to have to hire advisors around you the same way a CEO would. You're going to have to hire a CFO to help you with your financial matters. You're going to have to hire a controller or a treasurer or somebody to help you with the accounting. It's probably a good idea eventually to take a look at your estate plan. So an attorney and business transactions and things of that nature. Again, if you're a business owner and you're getting the money from a large productive asset sale, such as real estate, or you're selling a, a business that you've owned for 25 years, these are probably things that are already in place. You may just need to transfer a lot of these into your personal life. But think about it from someone who's getting an inheritance that wasn't involved in the estate planning process, which unfortunately in these days is most of our children. You need to start to think of yourself as that executive. And if you don't do that, you open yourselves up to not only disorganization, but you open yourselves up to very poor decisions at key moments in your financial life over the next, you know, over the coming years. Looking and treating yourself as that chief executive officer and understanding the seriousness of not just a bucket of money, but the organization that you're now leading is extremely important. Josh, have you ever seen individuals have a difficult time becoming that CEO while also put their foot on the brakes and taking their time? I do, and I'm really glad you brought that up. I will tell you that what I've noticed among investors of all stripes and from all backgrounds is that when someone moves from, let's just call it a standard net worth, and I'll go ahead and throw some numbers out here, the most common clients that are retiring with pensions or 401k these days from corporate executives to pilots, you'll typically see somewhere in the $1 to $3 million distribution range. When you're comparing that type of an individual to what we've been talking about, getting into eight figures, you know, these distributions that can be as much as 10, 25, and $50 million, there's a lack of confidence that the investor really needs to understand. You're in the situation you are now, and it's wonderful, and you've got all these extra resources now, but you need to step up and take that CEO role. It's something that will be a little bit fearful. You'll have some anxiety over it, and that's why I can't stress enough to surround yourself with the right people in an organization. And let me take a step further and tell you that going to your friend 
that you enjoy a beer with or going to the softball game and talking to a guy in the dugout or going to the hair salon and talking to the lady sitting next to you about financial decisions isn't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about going to individuals that have a long track record and experience dealing with these types of transactions. And Jack, you have to be very careful because as we've said on these programs before, you have to understand the motives of the individuals you're working with. There's a big difference between finding a CFO in the wealth management industry, someone that can work in that capacity, and going down the road to your local stock brokerage office. Those are two very different individuals. One of those is a salesperson, and the other one has experience working with very large transactions. And not only dealing with the money, Jack, dealing with the anxiety and the emotions that you're going through and helping you through those. And so we're not just talking about a wealth advisor or wealth manager. We're talking about a wealth coach, you know, someone that can help you move from where you were to the executive that you need to be. Josh, and I think a lot of times it does take time to find those type of people. So it's important to not rush into anything like we talked about. And you can find that team that you want to surround yourself with that it's going to set you up for success. Do we have one last point here? So the last thing, and this is the one that really... I believe surprises individuals when they come into a lot of money and it has to do with more of the social side. And I just, I want to make sure that you prepare for those around you to change. It's something that our business owners that are very successful realize. They know exactly what I'm talking about. There comes a point in their life where it's not just their social status, their success, their accomplishments have, have really set them apart. I want you to think about someone that's climbing a mountain. You start with a group of people, and as you go farther and farther, it's more difficult and more difficult, and people drop off, and you finally get to the top. And as we've said in our business, you've made it, and now what? You know, you're by yourself, and you're at the top of the mountain, and you've accomplished all these things. It can be very lonely. You know, we've talked about that in our podcast about entrepreneurs and successful individuals that we work with. And that's something that I want the investors to understand that when you come into a lot of money through a business sale or through an inheritance, and you're now having to behave very differently, and it's very apparent to those around you that things have changed. And I just want to prepare you for that. How you're interacting with individuals, you can probably tell the advice I gave our listeners about learning how to say no lends itself a lot to that. Just prepare yourself for those changes. Friendships, unfortunately, change. Interaction with your family members change. The interaction with your professionals around you change. I think if you're just aware for that when you step in, that transition will be a lot easier, and I don't think it will be as, as shocking. It couldn't, it shouldn't come to a surprise to anybody listening on this program. I just think that much like the death of a family member, we're not ready for it when it happens. We may know it; it's going to happen, but we're still not ready for it. Josh, that's all I have today. I think the list of short point is a great start for people coming into sudden wealth and also some first actions, some things to avoid. I think it's just a good list of things we talked about today. Before we go, are there any final thoughts for our listeners or any final advice you'd like to give on managing sudden wealth? Yes, I would. And you know, everything we've been talking about has really been leading up to this point that wealth is just is so much more than money. I want our listeners to know where we're coming from and we advise you on these large distributions. We understand that. I mean, we've all heard the stories of the individuals that win the lottery, right? And, you know, down the road they're broke and they've got more problems than than they started with. And, And the truth, Jack, is, you know, that term that you used at the beginning, sudden wealth, it really isn't all that sudden. I mean, whether it comes from a business sale or an inheritance, it's important to remember that someone was responsible for building that wealth through something, right? 
innovation, hard work, the things that uh, make America great and you know put us in the position that, that we are. There's been a new product that was created or a better way of providing a, a new service. I just want everybody to remember that that idea, you know, that something's for free, that you didn't build that, it's not really a reality. You know, having said that, and just to, you know, explain to you where I'm going here, and I think the real key advice of this program today is that I want to focus on those that are receiving an inheritance. That's the group that I think our firm can make the most impact to right away. All of you listening that run a business, you've been through it. You've you've run the business. You're so much more prepared to receive that wealth than a lot of others that we've talked about today. And so our program for you is really a continuation of a long-term plan. But those of you that are coming up on receiving an inheritance or you've recently received one, it's extremely important for you to think about going forward how that wealth is going to be passed on to your children and to educate them before they need it. That's probably the best advice that I can give to families long term on how to mitigate a lot of the risks of sudden wealth that comes through the inheritance issue and to try to get past that barrier of the two to three year generational curse on wealth. So educate your children, get them involved in the business now because when you pass away and all that hard work that you and your ancestors or grandparents have put into and all that wealth that's been created, you're going to give them the best opportunity to follow not only the advice on this program, but to use everything that you've taught them over the years so that they can give your family the best opportunity to help this money last for generations to come. For those of you that missed the episode on educating children, that is episode 17. So please go back and listen. Like Josh said, a lot of good advice on there about educating children. And these two podcasts definitely go hand in hand. Well, Josh, what a great topic today. Appreciate you being the moderator today, Jack. Well, thank you to all of our listeners for taking the time to listen today. And as always, if you enjoyed this program, please subscribe to The Red Commentary on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or your preferred podcast platform and never miss an episode. Also, if you know other investors that would enjoy this program, please share The Red Commentary podcast through email or on social media. We also like feedback on our program and ideas for future topics. If you have them, we would enjoy hearing from you. All of us here at The Red Company would like to thank you, our investors and clients, for your trust. Thank you for allowing us to be your partner in your long-term financial journey. We take our role very seriously. Thank you very much for listening today. This is The Red Commentary. I'm your host, Josh Rudd, and for all of us here at The Red Company, invest long and prosper. This commentary is distributed for informational purposes only and is not intended to constitute legal, tax, accounting, or investment advice. Nothing herein constitutes any offer to sell or solicitation of any offer to buy any security. All investment strategies and investments involve risk of loss, including the possible loss of principal invested, and nothing herein should be construed as a guarantee of any specific outcome or profit. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Any opinions expressed by employees of the Rudd Company are the Rudd Company's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of any affiliates. The opinions expressed by guest speakers are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Rudd Company or any affiliates. Guest appearances on this program does not imply the Rudd Company's endorsement of any entity, person, product, service, or investment. All opinions are current and only as of the date of recording and are subject to change without notice.